Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, and I'm here without Megan Francis today because you are listening to one of our Mom Hour Voices episodes. So if you're a longtime listener, you know that about once a month, we bring on an expert, an author, a writer, a blogger, a mom you should know, and we chat with them about a topic that we think is best served by having an expert on the show. And today you are going to love my conversation with my friend, Catherine Perlman. Catherine is a family coach, and she's the author of a brand new book called Ignore It, which is all about how we can selectively ignore some of those frustrating behaviors that our kids exhibit. And by not even engaging with those behaviors, Catherine has some strategies for how to make them actually go away and how you as a mom can just enjoy parenting a little bit more. Um, So it's a fantastic conversation. Her book is great. I can't wait for you guys to hear this chat. Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion. And because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much, they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Olive and June as a sponsor. And Megan, I'm so excited about this partnership because with spring right around the corner, I love refreshing the little things in my life, including my manicure. 
I am the biggest fan of doing my nails at home instead of at a salon because it's convenient, so much cheaper at just $2 a mani, and the results can't be beat. It all begins with Olive and June. Yeah, Olive and June's mani system has everything you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. These are profesh tools designed just for DIY. A couple of the items included are their best-selling poppy, which makes it so easy to brush on a smooth coat, even with your non-dominant hand, which you do have to use about half the time, it turns out, (laughs) and their award-winning cuticle serum, which is so nourishing and a finishing touch I love. Well, I've been a big fan of their quick dry polish for a while now. It seriously dries in about a minute, making it perfect for busy moms. Visit oliveandjune.com slash the mom hour for 20% off your first mani system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first mini system. Hey, everyone. I'm here with Catherine Perlman, author of the new book, Ignore It. Hey, Catherine. Hi. So Catherine's actually here in my little makeshift studio with me in person, which is really fun. We live a few minutes away from each other. Um, And a little later, maybe we'll tell the backstory on how we met. But I want to get right into your book, which the full title is Ignore It, How Selectively Looking the Other Way Can Decrease Behavioral Problems and Increase Parenting Satisfaction. So could you just kind of set this up for us and tell us a little bit about your background and the concept behind the book? Sure. So I'm a social worker and a family coach, and I've been helping people with parenting problems for probably about 20 years. And mostly I would go into homes and I would see families at their worst moments. So I would say, what's your most challenging time? And they would say, you know, between four and six when I'm trying to get dinner ready and whatever. And I would watch the dynamics and I would see over and over and over again, parents giving attention to their kids, annoying behaviors, um, to their testing behaviors, attention seeking behaviors, all of these things. And the thing is, whenever you give attention to something or you reward something with any kind of benefit, it's more likely to happen. So let's, I'm already going to pause you. So let's talk about giving attention to something. What would that look like if there's a behavior like whining? Um, what would giving attention look like that? Of course, we, we all think we're not rewarding that behavior. Mm-hmm. We're not encouraging it, but we really are, right? Right. So even if we're getting cranky at our kids, even if we're yelling, even if we're punishing, that's still providing a benefit. And sometimes just getting a rise out of us for many kids is enough of a motivator. But also whining on the line at Starbucks, can I have a cake pop? No. Can I have a cake pop? No. Can I? You said no three times. Please. Why? This one time, this one time. And for that one moment, you're like, you know what? Maybe they can have a cake pop. And you say yes. Well, now you just rewarded all of that whining and you're, you're ensuring that that whining will continue to happen. Now, maybe the next 20 times that whining will get a no. But that'll get a no with attention. And then the 21st time, they'll get the yes. And it's so motivating to keep going with it. Um, Also, whining helps us take something away. So we put carrots on the plate. The kid whines, why do I have to have the carrots? Do I have to have all five? I don't really want all those carrots. And then we're like, oh, fine, just eat one. Right. So that whining worked. Right. It worked because there was a compromise because of the negative behavior. Exactly. Um, I feel like I cut you off. So you were in social work and seeing these tough times in families and seeing parents sort of giving attention to these negative behaviors. Yeah. And I was, I mean, no matter what the parent calls me in for, there was one piece of advice I was always giving, which would be ignore it. Like, what should I do if my kid gets up at a timeout? Ignore it. What should I do if he curses at me? Ignore it. What should I do? All these things. It was just ignore it. Say no and then ignore the behavior afterwards. And so I started realizing that 
this one teeny piece of advice can change a dynamic so drastically. Right. Um, stepping away from that power struggle and the dynamic and not rewarding that behavior. It's so ineffective. Kids stop using it. Yeah. Like why throw a giant tantrum if nobody cares? Right. Well, and in the book, of course, you go into detail into why this works. But I also want for anybody listening who is reacting like, wait, what? Just ignore it. Um, I think we should explain that there's a really ignoring is really kind of a process of active disengagement. You are choosing as a parent to not engage with behavior. You're not really just putting earmuffs on and pretending this isn't right, happening. Right. You can't put your feet up, eat bonbons and read your magazine. No, because yes. it's actually a strategy. And, and there's a there's a bunch that we'll get into that is part of it that actually then reinforces good behavior and reengages when the negative behavior is stopped. So I, we'll get into all that in a little bit of deeper detail. But I want to just jump in for people who just think, OK, I ignore it and then it goes away. So there's really sort of like a process. Right. I mean, this. first I want to say I did not make this up. I am reinventing a classic technique or theory in psychology, um, which is called extinction. And it basically is if we stop rewarding or providing a benefit for behavior, it will go away. It will become extinct. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I tried to find a way to reinvent this for the everyday parent and make it practical. And like you say, you cannot just ignore your kid because um, we're parents, like they're right. going to get into some kind of trouble, but we're selectively ignoring, which means you're actually listening. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as the behavior stops, we re-engage, mm -hmm. even if we're really annoyed with our kid, even mm -hmm. if we're, you know, we've, we're up to here with them, we still have to re-engage so that we can move on and then it, the, the behavior can just disappear. Right. Right. That makes sense. So what kinds of behaviors work really well with ignore it? We talked about whining. What are some of the other, if you could name three or four of like the ones that just first of all, are so frustrating to parents, and mm -hmm. second of all, work beautifully with this approach. Right, so what's so great about Ignore It is that it actually makes parents feel better because yeah. when you can ignore some of these really annoying behaviors, you actually feel better, even if the behavior doesn't go away. And then the bonus is the behavior goes yeah. away. Um, so whining is huge. Any kind of tantrum, mm -hmm. complaining, negotiating. Yeah, negotiating. Never negotiate, one. yeah. Um, pushing your buttons, actively trying to provoke you. And that's really for, um, well, it could be young, young kids, but also a lot in the teen years. Okay. When teens or even toddlers are upset that they can't have their way, mm -hmm. they can't you know, stay out later, they can't have an extra show, they can't have a dessert, um, they want you to be as mad as they are. So they really test you. They say mean things, they push your buttons. So all of that stuff should be ignored. Okay. Um, and then in the book, you go over a few behaviors that, really shouldn't be ignored. Do you want to touch on those real quick? Yeah. So it's funny, actually, my kids the other day, they read parts of the book. They've heard me talk about the book so much. And something happened with my daughter and my husband said, just ignore it. And my daughter <laughs> says, no, dad, you don't ignore real pain. And I was like, oh, that was so awesome. <laughs> um, so um, you ignore drama queen and king. You ignore when kids are acting um, out and, and really putting on the crocodile tears, but you never ignore real feelings and real pain. So you always try and address that. You never ignore someone whose goal of their behavior is to be ignored, right? Mm. So a teen who is so obnoxious so that you send them to the room and you never see them again, that's what they want. So right. we don't ignore that. Um, we don't ignore anything illegal, like, you know, um, or um, disturbing to other people. Like yeah. I've seen in the supermarket, kids, you know, taking things off the shelves right. and parents ignoring that. And that's, they're not following my book. They're right. just like in their own zone. <laughs> and like, we don't ignore yeah. that. Um, if they're siblings and one is hurting the other one, uh -huh. we don't ignore that. Um, so those are the main things. Yeah, that those make sense. And when I read these parts in the book, it really did 
feel like common sense. The, the things that, um, the things that really spoke to me that ignoring it works so well are the things that are mostly my, I am feeling an emotional reaction, either annoyance, right. frustration, power struggle, right. um, where everybody's physically safe, like you said, no one's dying or in pain, right. um, property destruction is at a minimum, right. and it's mostly these kind of irritating or frustrating relationship dynamics that get right. stuck in a pattern. And I think when you're a mom, it's it's easy to say, you know, I'm a loving mom, we've got a good relationship, and overall things are happy and my kids are developmentally normal and all this, but you still find yourselves in these um, patterns where you get stuck that just are not enjoyable. And I think you yeah. bring up in the book, the enjoyment, once you're able to free yourself from having to respond to the whining and the negotiating, um, it is more enjoyable for you as a parent. So I love that. Yeah. And also, I mean, you're a human being. I'm a human being. Like, I try and parent the best way I can, but I have feelings and my kids push my buttons and they hurt my feelings. And someone's yelling at me, I react, right? right? Like someone, I'm on the subway, someone's yelling at me, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to react. So the, the key is to change that instinct mm -hmm. because that instinct isn't serving us well. Yeah. But it's, you know, our, we can't help it. Right. Well, I want to give an example from my real life and then I think it'd be fun to go into your kind of the four steps of the ignoring it process. But um, I read this book, obviously, and it definitely made me think about the way I'm responding to my kids. And just one example that came up for us is saying please and thank you and asking for things respectfully, which if you would have asked me, I would have said my kids are pretty good. They're not like demanding or disrespectful. But I found most of the time, especially it's summer right now, so everybody's home. Mom, can I have a glass of water? Mom, you know, can I have a piece of toast? Um, and I found that what I was doing is saying, yes, could you please ask a different way? Or maybe they started out even less polite. Um, or sometimes I'm delayed in helping them get what they need. And then it's, Mom, I asked you for peanut butter on my toast. You know, then it gets like that. I found that what I was saying with my words was, please start that over and ask in a different way. And then I will get you what you need. But what I was doing with my body physically in mm -hmm. the kitchen was doing the thing that they'd asked me to do. So body language wise, I was already granting their request uh -huh. when they did not ask respectfully. And so those are just the little subtle ways where I'm thinking, I'm not even responding, not even responding. Zero, I mean, I'm not physically making the peanut butter toast and I'm not saying anything with my words. And then right. eventually, um, you know, eventually it really does work. They don't get the response that they need and eventually they figure out why. I also think that they read us like a book. Like yeah. a lot of times we don't have to say anything. They know that something got to us. Right. They know that that pissed us off. They know that we um, our face. We're making a huffing noise. We're tapping our foot like we're 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 dropping things yeah. heavily. You know, they know. Oh, yeah, that I totally got to. Yeah. Him. Yeah. No, it's so true. Um, so I think, yeah, the book just really helps you examine your response patterns to your kids as a mom. Um, and even if you think your kid's behavior isn't out of control, I think it can it can really be a good self-test of what what behaviors am I allowing and reinforcing mm -hmm. um, by responding to them. Right. So one of the things I try to do early on in the book is to help people not fix anything, not change anything, just kind of observe themselves. Yes. Because I think that we don't realize how we're parenting. And that was why it was so helpful for me to come into other people's houses. Mm -hmm. And so I can see the dynamic super clearly, yeah. but they can't because they're in it. And sometimes I have to step outside of myself in my own home to yeah. say, like, what is going on here? Um, so I think taking that time to observe your own parenting, yeah. like what are the times of the day that are a struggle? What are the behaviors that you tend to 
really, you know, push your buttons because what upsets you doesn't necessarily upset me. Right. Like, please and thank you for me. It's something that's important. I think my kids are generally polite, but, you know, I'm worried about tone and yeah. things like that. It's not as important. Or table matters in my house might not be that important. It might be very important in your house. Other things like whining might really upset right. me, whereas whining you might not even hear. Right. So I think it's important for parents to assess, like, what is it that's really pushing their buttons? Yeah. What are the dynamics? What are the times of day? Who, which are the children? Yeah. To which parent? Which caregiver? Um, and to take a moment to think about what those things are, because then you're better able to identify those and not react later yes. on. And you don't lump it into one big problem, like, my kids are driving me crazy. But right. you're actually able to sort of, like you said, isolate where the real problem areas are. Um, okay, so you have a little, I don't know, do you call it a mnemonic device? A little cheat sure. sheet in yeah. your book for the process of ignore it. So this will get a little deeper into the approach. Um, do you want to set this up for us? Yeah, so I wanted to have a process where it's not like you said, it's not just like we're ignoring our kids. This is actually something that we're actively doing. Yes. So I knew I needed to have a process and I wanted to have a way of remembering that process because when you read a book, you're like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then you're like, what am I supposed to do next? So I came up with this idea called I Like Relaxed Reading. And the the first letter, actually the first two, except for I, um, relate to what you're supposed to do in each step. So, and the other idea about I like relaxed reading is that relax is clearly mentioned. Yeah. And you <laughs> Put need, yourself in that place. Yes. You need to go to a happy place in your mind. Think about reading, relaxing and stepping away from that feeling or whatever's going on for you. So the four steps are the first step is ignore. So obviously you've already recognized that there you've said no. The whining is happening, the tantruming, the complaining, whatever it is um, you're ignoring. But you're really listening. You're not actually ignoring. So listening is a second step. And as soon as that tantrum has died down, as soon as the whining has stopped, I mean, as soon as it's done, then you re-engage. That's the third step. And re-engagement is moving on. It's not rehashing what was right. just happening. It's literally t bringing up a new subject, serving dinner, talking about our day. In a, in a positive way, connect, re, you know, reconnecting kind of. Reconnecting. And even if you don't feel it, fake it. Yeah. Because if you don't, you will restart whatever yeah. you just stopped. Um, so, um, and, and let me stop you there because you said not rehashing. And that's so hard because we've been so frustrated and we want to, we want to say to them, do you know why I was ignoring you? I was ignoring you because it drives me crazy when you but of course that, that is reinforces giving them, that more. is giving them that initial attention that yeah. we're trying to they're ignore. like oh that upset you that's great yeah. good to know right. I'll put that on my list for next time I want to irritate right. you <laughs> so it's it's ignore listen, listen re-engage okay. uh -huh. and then the fourth step is not for everyone but if the child has done something where they need to apologize they've said something over the top to somebody they've hurt somebody physically they've thrown toys around the room then they need to apologize for those things or they need to clean up or do whatever right. it is and also sometimes the parent was not their best self prior to the ignoring and what? if you've done something <laughs> yeah where you should have not said something then you apologize for that because I think modeling apologizing for your kids is very important we think as parents why should we apologize to our kids we're we're, we're the grown-ups but we need to model that behavior so that R is repair is yeah that correct mm -hmm. so ignore listen re-engage repair and I love that because then you're not if things happened if you know what went down during all of this then you're not ignoring that you're not ignoring the repercussions of someone getting hurt someone throwing a toy hurtful words being said um if so you, I like that if you pulled off all the books from your bookshelf and you made a huge mess I'm not cleaning that up right. that's part of the repair yeah. right? right we're moving on but Right. Now go clean up your right. books. Okay. So I like relaxed reading, standing for ignore, listen, re-engage, repair. Um, and I mentioned one 
one area where I have been using this lately, and that is just the way we ask for things and just not responding until I'm asked in a way that's respectful. That's a really little one. Um, I noticed, so yesterday I was out with my three kids. We went to the original Pancake House restaurant for like a fun late breakfast and we were waiting outside and the kids were playing with crayons and the two younger ones had dropped a crayon that was just out of reach and so they asked their older sister to grab it for them and she ignored them she did it she Uh totally like did ignore and I at first I thought she didn't hear them but she was totally doing it on purpose Uh so that's how and I didn't I haven't like talked about this yeah Um, But I have been practicing it for a few weeks and she picked up on it and she and they were like, didn't you hear us? Didn't you hear us? And finally, she said, I'm just waiting to be asked politely. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. (laughs) So, yeah, Um, it's funny because I've talked about it with my kids even before this book. And I mentioned in the book, my sister and I in our relationship. um, But my sister used to use like big SAT words on me to make me scream and yell. And I was horrified. And and that she was like, great, that works. That really yeah. upsets my sister. I'm going to keep doing it. Right. Um, and so whenever my son comes and he says, you know, Casey always does this to me. Why does she always call me that name? And I'm like, well, because it's effective. Right. Stop reacting and she will have no fun and she'll stop doing it. Um, so my kids are doing it. Yeah. Same. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it's the same principle. And yeah. And, and I would think that you don't want to skip those other steps, especially when you're doing this with your own kids, because you are there's other lessons in here about repairing when feelings have gotten hurt or, you know, reengaging and moving on. In the book, you talk a lot about the need to kind of let it go and move on and without anger and without resentment toward your kid, because that is also in, a, in its own way a positive reward for that behavior stopping. Right. So the interesting thing is we're spending so much time on disciplining and dealing with all these unpleasant behaviors that we actually are forgetting to give our attention and to give our benefit and reward to the good behaviors. Mm -hmm. So actually those behaviors become Mm -hmm. extinct. So we're actually doing a double disservice. We're increasing the things we don't want to see and we're decreasing the things we actually do want to see. And so once parents make that shift, they're like, I'm not going to reward you for this, but I'm going to pay extra attention Mm -hmm. to when you're listening Mm -hmm. and when you respond after the first, you know, ask and Mm -hmm. when you say please and thank you. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to just take that for granted. I need to give you that reward, whether um, it's a just, hey, great job right. on saying thank you or a high five or even for kids that are really resistant, a point for their reward chart or right. whatever. Um, but I think we have to jumpstart their motivation to act nicely. Right. It's so easy as moms to get focused on that negativity and that nagging. And like you said, we're not even seeing the positive behaviors. We're not even seeing the improvements in areas where they've grown. We're just stuck. And that's why I think going back to what I said at the beginning, It's so freeing to, number one, not have to respond and engage with all these little things that bug us throughout the day, but also then get to focus on the positive. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya, is back on the show today, and I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin, was created. That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one. Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? 
Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, guys, so let's get back into my conversation with Catherine Perlman. One thing I want to do is talk a little bit about our listeners who have very young kids. Um, Mm -hmm. And on the cover of the book, it says nip bad behavior in the bud ages two to 18. So you really believe and it makes sense to me that this can work for all ages. But let's talk about those. I'm going to say 18 months to four, that toddler and young preschooler Mm -hmm. age where, like you said, big emotions are real. Um, Tantrums are normal developmentally and yet there are still some ways to apply ignore it to keep the tantrums and that kind of stuff in check but that's that I feel like could be hard to tell especially if you're a first-time mom how much of this is my kid manipulating me getting what he wants and how much is a a very healthy release of big feelings because life is hard when you're right. two it's have you found ways like if you went into a home of somebody with a one and a three-year-old who is struggling not just with tantrums but maybe it's other Maybe it's other dynamics. Um, Are there things to look for or ways to help parents understand that difference? Um, I think when you ignore tantruming, um, it will, depending on the kid, it will either go away altogether or the tantrums will become shorter or more infrequent. So it is age appropriate for Mm -hmm. a two to four year old to have a tantrum because their feelings are big, as you say, and there's no place to put it. There's no control in their life. They want to be independent. It's also frustrating. And often it's bubbling up from other things that are hard about being two and a half, you know, whether it's a new sibling or a new school. Or being hungry. You're hungry. You're tired. You cry. Like you don't have the ability to deal with all these things or to say, I'm hungry. You don't even know what that is. You just are falling apart. So um, I do talk in the book a little bit about being, um, Uh, preventative and thinking ahead about Mm -hmm. your kids needs so that is don't you know go off schedule you know make sure that they do eat and sleep and all those things do help those things but you're still going to have tantrums so I think for um, anyone whose kid is having a tantrum again if they're crying because they got hurt or because that you know something bad happened to them then you don't ignore that but if they are literally on the floor kicking and screaming because you said no well you know that is the kind of tantrum we should ignore yeah okay that makes sense um i like that how um i'm just curious your kids are how old uh i have a 10 year old and a almost 14 year old okay have have you seen as you've sort of I mean, this book is coming out now, but you've been using this approach for several years. Um, Have you seen your own parenting kind of evolve and change as you've helped other parents with this concept? Oh, for sure. Because like I said, it's so easy to see someone else's problem. But sometimes someone else's problem reminds me, hey, I'm actually doing that exact same thing. I can't believe I'm doing that thing I'm telling this parent not to do. And so I can shift and readjust. And that's one thing I always say, it's never too late to make a change, which is great. Even if you have a 17 year old, you can still 
still change that dynamic. Yeah. You can change the way you act and that changes everything. Yeah. Um, so um, my kids, um, sometimes I'll get caught in the power struggle and then all of a sudden I'm like, what am I doing? I yeah. already said no. And then right. I'll literally turn my back and they're like, you're ignoring me. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm just going to do yeah. something else. And then as soon as I see they have stopped whining yeah. or complaining or begging for whatever it yeah. is that they want, then I say, okay, what are we doing this afternoon yeah. or whatever it is? Now, let's talk about saying no for a second. Um, because one thing I noticed is that I had a knee-jerk no response that was coming out when it didn't always have to. Totally, I'm the and same. once you say, I know you and I talked about this one time, like we both tend toward wanting to control. Um, yeah. And so the problem with that, of having an easy no, like I don't have, some people have a problem saying no to their kids. I do not. Right. <laughs> it's a mind comes so, out first. Yeah, yes. Cool. yes. And the problem with that is once you've said no, you've got to back it up. And I do have one child in particular who will ask why and at this point i'm okay with answering why once simply and then after that it's no more um but man applying this process and just being a little bit more like self-examining myself i realize there's a lot of times where i didn't need to say no mm -hmm. um, and i feel like that could also help parents because if we're gonna ignore the whining and the negotiating and the tantruming we got to be prepared to go through that process and if the answer might have been huh let me think about that maybe or sure why not go ahead then the the kid is happy we have said yes and if the yes is okay right give the yes does that make sense have oh. you found that for yourself yeah totally. i'm sure there's some parents who are on the other side yes who say yes and then feel resentful or their kid is out of control but for me I find myself, and I think part of it is, we've talked about like where I am in motherhood, like I'm reaching this stage where life is easier, my kids are more independent, but I went, you know, I had three kids two years, you know, three kids in five years, so I was in like control mode yeah. for a long time. survival. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if you have anything else to add on that. But. Yeah, I mean, I feel the exact same way. My first reaction is a no. Can I watch one more show? Can I have a cookie? Can yeah. I? No. And my husband's the opposite, which is makes us good yeah. together. Um, and I, I feel like, why do I always say no? A lot of times it could be yes. The thing is, because I know I tend towards no, I have to be really careful. Once I say no, it's no. Yes, even if I made what, a yeah. mistake, even <laughs> if I shouldn't have said that, I'm like, why? They could have. Right. Like, there's no reason. Um, because if they whine and complain yeah. then I say yes yeah. then I've now reinforced that behavior or what I realized when I was doing the thing you used the example of the carrots at the beginning I say no they say why they negotiate and then I meet them in the middle right. but that's not if you start out saying like if I started out saying you know I'm not sure let's figure out a way that this works for both of us then a compromise I feel like is okay but right. if I start out by saying no and then we meet in the middle that no seems to carry less weight the next time. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I don't think compromising is, for me, it doesn't feel like that's a bad thing if we start out saying, let's meet in the middle. But if I start out saying no, then then it's, then it's I've lost, no matter where I meet them. Well, I like. so I might say that you lose anyway. You lose no matter what. And I, I don't think in general in life there's anything wrong with compromise. I think it's really healthy. The problem is with parents and kids is once we start compromising, they want to compromise for everything. Sure. So no matter what we put on the plate, they're going to start negotiating. Right. And sometimes we just want you just right. eat what's on there, right. you know, or right. don't. Right. You know, but it, 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 I don't want to always have to negotiate. And yeah. so the more you negotiate. Yeah. And so parents, I've had, I had a parent call me and he was so proud of himself. He said his son really wanted this one TV show and he said no because it's 30 minutes no 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 and then he's like and I made a compromise and I let him watch two YouTube videos and I'm like you lost basically <laughs> the kid doesn't care whether it was the YouTube yeah. videos or it was yeah. he got 
Yeah. Actually, he got what he wanted. And so I think that now he also knows, well, next time you say, no, I'm just going to push and whine. And the thing is, because we're tired. You have three kids. I have two kids. I work. It's sometimes I just I give in after saying no, because I'm tired. So I just try and tell parents, if you're tired or you're in no mood, give yourself a break. Say yes the first time, Say yes the first time. Say no to carrots. Who cares? Right. Let them watch the TV show. Order in pizza. Right. You know, you can't be on and perfect all the time. So give yourself a break. But if you say no, you have to follow through. Yeah. No, I agree with that. And I think that's true. You know, my kids are four, seven, and nine. And it applies to them in different ways. You know, the littlest is still going to tantrum or whine or whatever the oldest is going to negotiate but i can see i can see how it works at all the ages so yeah um okay well let's shift gears a little bit i'm curious about how this process was for you writing a book because you've been going into homes working with families for almost 20 years you teach in a university yep um you've done tv appearances you've done all this stuff but this is your first written book and i think you've told me that you don't think of yourself as a writer writer right. first and foremost right? no so, i think of myself as a social worker who writes right yeah so <laughs> how what, what was that process like for you um well first i want to say i live with a writer okay so um he's a professional author he's has seven books so it, i feel like i have a little bit of a leg up because okay. i've seen the process even though he didn't help me pitch the book write the book or any of it I know how it works. So that actually gave me, I think, a big advantage. But um, in some ways, it was super easy because it's something I've done. It's not like I I needed to do a lot of research. I literally was saying in my book what I have said to hundreds of parents. So in that sense, it was easy. But sitting down every single day to write between one and 4,000 words is brain numbing every single day. And to me, I thought this book could have been... I don't know, maybe 40,000 words. And the publisher was like, we need 60. So I'm like, okay, great. So let me just keep going with it. So everything was longer. And um, I write a weekly column that's 600 words. Okay. It's super tight and short. Yeah. And in some ways that's hard. Yes, too. I think 600 is hard. And so, but in a way this was like freeing. I was like, wait, yeah. I can tell examples yeah. and I can explain stuff. But just the day-to-day you know, getting it done because I had a very tight deadline. I decided I want to do this in six months. It had to be done by September 1 last year. And that was it. So um, I had to stay really focused and it was exhausting. It was yeah. hard. So you're glad that part's over? You're I'm ready so to do glad, but I am so proud of myself. <laughs> yeah. Like, I cannot believe I did this. Like, it yeah. seems like it was such an accomplishment. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not one to feel like super proud of myself for doing a lot of things. I am so proud of myself. I am. I look at the book myself. It's by my night table. I'm like, I can't believe I wrote that. That's, that's so awesome. Well, now I want to kind of tell the backstory for listeners on how you and I met because it's kind of cool. And our listeners know, you know, Megan and my backstory. But um, so Megan and I have gone the last few years to the Mom 2.0 conference, which is a moms and social media um, blogging, all of that conference. And two years, two years ago, right? Uh-huh. Or three? Two. Two. Yes, two. Mm-hmm. It was here in Southern California where Catherine and I both live. And Catherine took the initiative to post a message saying if there's anyone who's at the conference but is also local, lives around here, Let's meet up. And so we tried to find each other at breakfast. And I i mean, honestly, our conversation was maybe a minute. Yeah. Like 60 two seconds. seconds. Yeah. We weren't even sitting down. <laughs> no. Um, but we found out we had both moved to this area within a month of each other. Like same exact timing. Yeah. And that we lived, you know, Orange County can be very sprawling. You can live in Orange County and live 45 minutes from someone. But we found that we lived literally 10 minutes away and like traveled in the same, you know, you know, people in my neighborhood yeah. and like we had mutual friends. So um, and then over that next year, I think we only had lunch like once. Yeah. I mean, it seemed it like 
hard kind to of get thing together. you say as a yeah. conference. Like, let's meet up. We live in the same town, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think we had lunch once. And then um, we both went to Mom 2.0 this past year. But it's been really fun to see you write your book um, and have our two our two platforms kind of overlap a little bit in this way. And then, you know, we went to the last Mom 2.0 conference and actually spent time together there. So it's been very fun. I don't know a lot of people in my industry that are also local in my town. Uh-huh. I can put them on one hand. So it's been very fun. Well, and also, I mean, it's so nerve wracking going to a conference yeah. for me. I mean, I went blind. I knew yeah. nothing about the conference. Yeah. I don't that consider myself a terrifying. blogger. It yeah. was totally terrifying. So that was like my way of comforting myself. But like, let me try to meet some some people and we did meet a, a bunch of people but I could tell right away like you're yeah. just my kind of people so I'm glad that we've you know yeah. been able to we've been on a five mile hike together yeah. that's like longer than I ever hike top of the mountain um so yeah so it's been really fun for me because I think you had just gotten your book deal you were about to sit yeah. down to start writing yep. when I first met you mm-hmm. and then I've been able to follow that and I'm holding a copy in my hot little hand so that's been that's been really fun what's the what's the latest or what's the next for your private practice and some of the work that you're doing now that the book is out? Do you continue to take clients in family coaching? Um, I only really take very few clients because I do have a full-time job as a professor. Mm-hmm. Um, I do write my column every week and I'm hoping to do speaking engagements for the mm-hmm. book. And I'm starting to realize that I can't help one person at a time, but I can speak to a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. So either in small groups like Mom's Night Out or mm-hmm. PTA meetings and things like that, like it's I can give the exact same message mm-hmm. because honestly, now what I've seen is our problems are universal. Yeah. Like whatever you're struggling with, I guarantee I've seen it many times and yeah. everyone else in the room has some version of yeah. that same struggle. Yeah. And so it's just so much more effective um for me to do like on larger um platforms so i'm hoping to get more into that yeah as the book you know progresses well i really want to encourage our listeners to buy the book um we didn't just due to time and our conversation we didn't get into everything but there's some really great ideas about implementing positive behavior uh strategies like reward charts or goal charts for consequences consequences um and then also preventing preventing negative behavior and a lot i mean we touched on some of those things but um i really encourage people to pick up a copy of the book it's a quick read because you've just laid it all out in a very easy step-by-step way and i just i recommend it thanks congrats on it being out Let's read the title again for everybody. So it's Ignore It, How Selectively Looking the Other Way Can Decrease Behavioral Problems and Increase Parenting Satisfaction. You are Katherine Perlman. Tell everybody where to find you online if they wanted to head to your website. We will, of course, um, link to the book and to your website in our show notes, which are at themomhour.com. Look for this interview with Katherine Perlman. But tell everybody where to find you, where you hang out most online. So um, you can find me at thefamilycoach.com and on Twitter and Facebook, I'm The Family Coach. Okay, that's easy enough. And this was uh, episode 16 in our Mom Hour Voices series, which is what we call it when we do fun interviews like this. And that will be at themomhour.com. So you can find Catherine's book anywhere where you buy books, right? Yep. Amazon's probably easiest. We will have that link in our show notes. Um, So head on over, grab that. And thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November, and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. 
Well, you know, I am fan number one of the teas made. It's got such a cozy vibe and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines and home and family life. Just look for the teas made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.